What's the potential for Lincoln Riley recruiting at USC? It's uh, certainly a higher ceiling than what he had in Oklahoma. We'll tell you why today on Locked On Pac-12. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up-to-date with the Conference of Champions and to stay up-to-date on the recruiting trail. We bring back on my guest today, John Garcia Jr., the Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Once again, we love his insight, and since we're hitting the recruiting trail here on the show today... John, I could I couldn't do it without you, man. It just it just wouldn't be right. I appreciate the kind words, my friend. And uh, look, it's it starts at recruiting. Everybody knows that. So uh, always always a pleasure to jump on here and, and dig into it. it. It does start in recruiting. Or nowadays, for some schools like USC, for example, with their new coach in Lincoln Riley, it starts in the transfer portal. But recruiting will be a, a recurring theme for them in the years to come. And look, this class is not going to be from a high school recruiting standpoint, probably anything to, to bat an eyelash at going forward. But USC's already got some big-time names committed in the class of 2023, Malachi Nelson uh, among them. Before we get into specific recruits, I want to ask you, Lincoln Riley comes from Oklahoma where he, he was a good recruiter. There's no doubt about that, perennial top 10 classes. But now he's at USC where the branding is stronger, where he's in Los Angeles where there's a bevy of talented players right in his backyard compared to what he had in Norman, where there were really just a small handful. So as you look at the recruiting expectations for the Trojans with Lincoln Riley, where do you put them? They should be through the roof, Spencer. I mean, there's really no reason for USC fans not to be incredibly excited about the talent acquisition element of what their favorite football program uh, will be navigating through. Because first of all, L.A., right? NIL era, all of those things, I really don't have to explain a whole lot there. Just, you know, go to Caleb Williams' Twitter account and you'll find out a lot more uh, on on what that looks like or potentially looks like. But really beyond that, the Pac-12 is in flux, right? I mean, it, it is it is Utah as as the, you know, staple, uh, the, the mark of stability, physical, Kyle Whittingham, all that fun stuff. And then it's wide open, right? Coaching change in Oregon, coaching change at USC. Oregon has dominated the Pac-12 in recruiting for the last four to five years, which had a lot to do with the departure of the previous staff at USC. But but now it's back to square one. And you bring in a Lincoln Riley who has, has kind of been there and done that, everything but win a national championship at Oklahoma. And, and a lot of folks will tell you that some of the reasoning there is the talent level, particularly on defense and in the trenches. Now, I think... From that perspective, we're still waiting on Lincoln to take the next step because in in terms of the 2022 recruiting class, the 23 recruiting class, and the portal, just three linemen brought in by USC, which is an issue. And I think Lincoln will be the first one to tell you that. But if you look at the skill position, I mean, my gosh. I mean, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, secondary, even linebacker, this has been a streamlined, extremely smooth transition from one school to the next. Uh, and I think from that perspective, uh, USC is going to be exciting. I mean, we just saw the the ceiling of, of their last regime from the wide receiver position, Drake London, go in the top 10 of the NFL draft. 
that is the type of stuff that should become part, at least, uh, of the expectation uh, at USC going forward. In terms of the individual talent, that will be there, particularly at the skill positions. But you do have to bounce back with the trench recruiting, which should be the focus here going forward. And then, of course, you got to do it on the field. And you got to do it on Saturdays as well. But again, with the Pac-12 being a bit in flux from where I sit, I do think it is the great time, or it's great timing, I should say, uh, for this move to have been made. And I think that's part of, of why Lincoln shocked and surprised a lot of people this offseason, or really right after the season, uh, like the next day, uh, before he made that move from Norman uh, to Los Angeles. But there's, there's no ceiling or cap to where uh, the expectation should be from a recruiting standpoint at, at USC. It could contend for Pac-12 championships and, and most importantly, uh, top five spots nationally in, in recruiting year in, year out. Yeah, the skill position transfers that they've brought in are are truly ridiculous on the offensive side. Obviously, you have Caleb Williams, who's probably going to be the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft. You have Travis Dye come over from Oregon, Austin Jones from USC. So your backfield is solidified for a season while you'll start to work in young guys like Relic Brown in the class of 2022. And they've got a four-star in the class of 2023 as well, whose name is uh, evading me at, at this uh, very point in time, which is why I'm looking it up. But uh, the other receivers that they've brought in, Mario Williams from Oklahoma and Terrell Bynum from Washington, like they've just had guys all over the place it's easy to see why the appeal is there for, for those skill position players. Lincoln Riley's going to score a lot of points. Quentin Joyner is the name that, that I was uh, searching for in my brain a moment ago. But he looks like he'll fit in really well once he gets on campus. But the, the guys that USC has brought in, it's easy to see the pitch, right? Quarterback, receiver, that's been uh, the hallmark. You know, They had Mark Andrews at Oklahoma as well, some nice tight ends. Like All, all those guys are going to get plenty of opportunities to showcase what they can do. But what should the pitch be? Because it's clear that he's able to bring in the high high caliber skill position guys, but in the trenches for offensive and defensive linemen, how does Lincoln Riley need to approach that to bring USC to a college football playoff caliber program? You sell it as the final piece, Spencer. You say, hey, look, you don't have to Google very far to, to see what kind of skill position talent we have at USC but we need to balance that out. This is football. This game literally starts in the trenches. You you look at the, the the last however many you want national champions. I mean, my gosh, look at Georgia's front seven last year. I mean, they all got drafted in the first couple of rounds the other day. I mean, that's what wins in college football, even to this day. You know, that group dominating Alabama's offensive line pushed them over the top, you know, to get them their first national championship. And, and that stuff still – uh, creates momentum in college football. And you build groups like that, now you can do anything. And you think of what Lincoln Riley's known for in that offensive explosion, and you start to pair it with dominant blocking on the offensive line and, and defensive lines that can get after the opposing passing attack. Now, all of a sudden, you can win games without having to score 50. You can win uh, a game more comfortably. And that you know has just amazing reciprocation effects to the rest of the team, right? The quarterback gets to sit a little bit longer, you get to test your depth uh, and see what your backups look like later in games. And you're a little bit healthier going in through the, the, the grueling uh, schedule that is the college football season. And you're prepared to be healthy in the playoff. I mean, there's so many advantages to being a balanced football team. And I think that's part of, again, the reasoning why you make the move to a school like USC, because they've also been there and done that from a historical perspective. But when you're sitting down with an offensive lineman 
or a pass rusher or a big nose guard, if you're Lincoln Riley, you're saying, hey, we've been here, but to get over the top, we need guys like you. We need to close this gap up front first. And I think that should be, again, the focus going forward. And, and I do think ultimately USC will be able to accomplish those things on the trail and, and in the portal as well. Well, five-star class of 2023 edge player Jaden Wayne is one of those players who could help USC get over the top. He's considering the Trojans and a couple other Pac-12 schools I'll tell you about after I inform you that this show is brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations, on the golf course, hiking, spelunking, wherever you spend your summers outdoors, Built Bars are going to travel well with you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. If I ever get super, super busy and I don't want to throw dinner together rather than ordering some fast food, I'll just have a Built Bar and boom, I'm good for the night because of all that protein. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Jaden Wayne is a big-time recruit in the class of 2023, and he's from the the Tacoma area in Washington, so uh, the Huskies have had him on for for visits, and USC is interested in him. Oregon is also considered to be one of the the big players in on him. So where is his recruitment at, and how close are each of those Pac-12 schools to potentially making him a future member of their program? Well, you know, the Pac-12 is going to have something to say for, you know, one of its finest sons in Jaden Wayne, a kid who's who's been on national radar for several years now, an elite pass rusher, uh, great basketball player as well. Uh, you watch his highlights on Twitter, some, some bounce in this kid's game on the court. But on the field, he's got that great first step and the type of pass rushing prowess that really changes what you can do from a defensive standpoint and makes you – uh, identify him if you're coming at him from the offensive side of the football. And that's why he's been national really for two or three years now. Uh, I think 40-plus scholarship offers, but we know the Pac-12 is going to stay in this race. Uh, it's just a matter of who. You know, I do think, uh, talking to the source earlier today, I do think Jaden will start to narrow things down, which is big for him because he's taken as many visits as any national recruit we've talked about. And he's been on radar for so long that he's heard so many different pitches, experienced so many different locations that – when he starts to narrow his list, it will be very, very telling. I do believe he'll cut it to four or five, and those five schools will eventually be official visit destinations. And once that happens, we're, we're going to be on, on, on big alert here, uh, tracking him nationally. In that case, I just wonder how many Pac-12 schools will, will make the cut. You know, I do think Oregon feels the safest of, of the three schools, Washington, USC being the other. But really, the onus is on Washington here. I mean, this is... It's, it's an uphill battle because you've changed coaching staffs twice now since Jaden Wayne has, has become a national recruit, and that's really hard to overcome. But again, you are the in-state school. You're the school he is most familiar with from a logistics and geographical standpoint. But at the same time, optically, Washington has let some big fish leave the state. So I think you, know, you want to win the recruitment on signing day or whenever it's going to come from Jaden. But if you're a Washington fan, you want to make this next cut first and foremost because you want to stay in the hunt uh, for, for Jaden Wayne because it's, it's a truly national battle. And, and whether or not USC's in there could be irrelevant late in the game because you've got schools like Alabama uh, that, is, that he's called his leader in the past. LSU has begun 
to host him uh, multiple times here early in 2022. That is certainly something of concern from, from Pac-12 country. Uh, Georgia's involved as well, the defending national champs that we just talked about. So one of these schools isn't going to make the cut. Uh, so I, I do think that if you're Washington, you should be very wary of that and keep an eye out for when he does drop his top group. And if you make that cut, you got to get him on campus for an official visit and give this new coaching staff ample time to sit in with him, even though they are the in-state school. So it's going to be quite fascinating with Jaden. It's a Pac-12 SEC type of battle, but just how many schools from each conference gets into that final group uh, will be very telling as to where this recruitment is heading. Uh, And and like I said, I think Oregon's the safest of of the Pac-12 trio that that we're talking about the most with with Jaden Wade. I think it's a little bit of a tough time to to be part of the UCLA football program, not because they, they aren't trending up, but you know they hired Chip Kelly and they were all in on, on the rebuild when he got there, right? Is he brought in his guy at quarterback DTR who was as raw of a quarterback prospect as you will ever see in college football ever, and he has become a, a really solid player at that position. They're eight and four last year. Unfortunately, they don't get to you know show their chops in, in a bowl game in the Holiday Bowl. I believe it was the Holiday Bowl, and you know that like that that part is not as great. But they've been trending up, right? And so you feel good and. USC or in-city rival is is down and you're going upwards and you're eight and four and you beat him in the Coliseum and and then they went and hired Lincoln Riley and so that makes recruiting a lot tougher for a school that is certainly seen as the number two within their own city has never been a big time recruiting power and has a coach who knows how to score a lot of points but has also never been all in on, on recruiting and so I think it's a fascinating area to follow for, for UCLA and how they will respond to Lincoln Riley being there to, to poach players in their own backyard. Cause of course that's, that's where they're looking. But I saw the other day, they landed a commitment from a defensive player by the name of Ty Lee's safety. His primary recruiter was Ken Norton jr. Who was the Seahawks defensive coordinator until he was let go comes down and is the inside linebackers coach for UCLA now. With, with their new defensive staff. So what do you make uh, of Tylee's commitment to UCLA? Start with the player a little bit, but also kind of what it means for the program and where they're at on the recruiting trail. Well, as a player, I think this is an interesting hybrid coming out of St. John Bosco, which is, of course, a, a national power on the high yes. school football front. Uh, 6'3", right under 200 pounds. And you mentioned his positional recruiter, uh, or his head, his lead recruiter, I should say, I think that's a positional projection waiting to happen. You know, um, in the days of the Ken Norton Jr. size linebackers, ironically enough, are over, right? You want guys who are a little bit lighter, a little bit more comfortable playing in the box or outside the box relative to the defense, the coverage, the, the scheme or, or the scenario. So I do think that he's going to bulk up and play linebacker at the next level as a hybrid He already plays a ton in the box for St. John Bosco, which really moves their safeties all over the place. Uh, So when he's in the box, he's really physical. He's strong downhill, comfortable downhill, but he does have the range today to be a very effective high school safety. Uh, So I do think that will be quite interesting in his development, talking about Ty Lee. uh, How soon does he start putting on the weight and how does that affect his ability to play in space but from a profile standpoint you know he's going to be a well coached up kid coming from st john bosco like i said they put a lot on their safeties from a mental and physical standpoint and they play in the hardest and toughest league there is in in high school football the trinity league so i do think that that brings a certain level of of benefit of the doubt 
at St. John Bosco. So when you're, whenever you're recruiting one of those guys, you just feel better about it. Um, but I think conversely, in terms of the recruitment, Spencer, this shows you the power of bringing in a big name, an NFL name who's been there and done that. That precedent really does resonate on the recruiting trail. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was asked about Ty Lee, and it was like Oregon, USC. It was other schools that we talked about before getting to UCLA. But lo and behold, Norton is hired. He takes the official visit this past weekend, falls in love with it. And not only does UCLA vault to the top, but, but he goes ahead and, and makes his verbal commitment to Norton and to the Bruins. So I think this is a good sign, certainly a validator of, of Chip Kelly hiring him. Uh, and a validator for us knowing, hey, you know, how well is, is Ken Norton going to recruit, right? A guy coming from the NFL ranks where you don't have to do that. I think this tells a little bit of that story. Clearly the passion's still there uh, for, for the former uh, Cowboy and 49er linebacker. So it's quite interesting to see, uh, as you said, optically UCLA needed a win. Uh, so to win one in your backyard where USC was involved feels good, especially when it's for a Trinity League player. Uh, like like Ty Lee at coming out of St. John Bosco. So I think this was a nice weekend for the Bruins. And for them, hopefully, the beginning of, of something strong to come because they just got a couple commitments in total at this point uh, in, in the 23 cycle. Yeah, and I just have to imagine that every recruiting win like these has to be celebrated a little bit extra for, for Bruins fans because, you know, Oregon ha- has been – pulling guys out of California and bringing them up to Eugene with a lot of success over the last few years. Now you've got USC in there and Utah has become a really pretty powerful national brand from a football perspective. So they're starting to become, you know, more teams that you have to compete with for players in the Pac-12, whereas a couple of years ago, it really would have just been kind of Oregon and everybody else. And the Ducks have dominated recruiting as a result of that. But I'm glad you brought up that point about Norton, you know, remembering how, how to recruit, because I think that's always the biggest question mark when you bring in somebody from the NFL is, do you remember how to relate to college kids? Not not players, college kids. And that, that's sort of a, a, a different beast that you're dealing with there. And so for him to be the primary recruiter and have gotten this guy is a good early sign, but he's going to have to deal with the transfer portal as well. And we'll tell you about one of the strangest transfer portal recruitments that you will ever see and why it's so (laughs) weird. After I tell you this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You can save time and money with rock auto. Their prices are reliably low for every consumer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you here at Locked On. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need, rockauto.com. Transfer portal's big, right? You get a one-time freebie. There are a record number of kids in the portal doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere unless some future rules come down from the NCAA, but that doesn't appear imminent, certainly not this year or or in the next year or two. So this is what it is right now. Jermaine Lowell of Arizona State has one of the strangest transfer portal recruitments that I can remember. Now, you've studied this a lot more than me, John, so you can, you know, if you've got a, a more peculiar story than this, by all means, throw it out there. But he's in the transfer portal after injuring his triceps and not playing in 2021. He's an all pack 12 caliber player. He's an NFL draft caliber player in 2020 PFF had him graded as the second highest interior defensive lineman 
in the country behind a guy from Ohio State. So this is a this is a big time player, right? He goes into the transfer portal, and this is what makes it so weird. He has said very clearly, and the reports have all indicated and back this up, that he wants to come back to Arizona State, but he's going to test the waters anyway. And his schools are Texas Tech, Florida, Louisville, and Oregon. I'm going to take a stab and say that's the first time those four schools have been mentioned on the football field in the same sentence. How does that how does that even come about? Texas Tech, Florida, Louisville, and Oregon. You're covering a good swath of the country there, but uh, John, what do you what do you make of all of that? Yeah, this is it's it's almost like uh, restricted free agency in pro ball, right? Where you're like, I, I like this team, I know this team, but I do want to see what kind of value I have elsewhere before I make a final decision. And and then you start to to get into the teams, and you're like, wow. This kid from you know Long Beach Poly in California is not looking at any California schools, but looking all over the country, quite literally, and then doing this like Nike check of a an official visit swing throughout uh, America on consecutive weekends, no less. So he announced he'll go to Louisville on the 13th, Florida May 20th, uh, then down uh, to Texas Tech May 27th to see that new coaching staff, and then all the way up to to Eugene for the Duck visit to wrap it up the first weekend of June, just a bizarre uh, list of, of schools there, but you can see the timeline here, right? You know, the visits tell us a lot in high school and transfer portal recruiting, four official visits in four consecutive weekends. Um, we'll see how he feels at the Oregon trip, you know, after all those flights, you know, eight flights later, how he feels about that Oregon official visit being the last one. Uh, and then presumably he'll go back to to his college campus that he's still at, at ASU, and, and check them out one more time. I don't think he'll need an official visit for it, but we'll get that all before a final decision, what looks like uh, in, in early to mid-June uh, from, like you said, an NFL draft pick candidate, uh, prospect, I should say, um, that it's it's really rare for, for him to be available, a player like this to be available this late in, in the process. And you see three transition uh, coaching staffs on top of that. So. You talk about, we talked about this at the top, right? When you're a transition coaching staff and you're rebuilding, hit the trenches. And you see Oregon, uh, Florida, and Texas Tech understanding that and, and trying to bring in an all-conference type uh, prospect on top of it. A guy who started 28 games in the Pac-12 with plenty uh, of success to date. So a fascinating uh, visit schedule, uh, an ambitious visit schedule, I, I must say, because remember, you're flying back home in between so he's either flying back to phoenix or tempe or or he's flying back to his his native southern california so that's, this is a lot of frequent flyer miles that, that he's going to be racking up so if i'm louisville and i got that first visit i feel great you know oregon not so much with the fourth trip but you never know you know you never know those are four very different campuses i've been to three of them uh and i think he'll get you know quite a, a unique experience in one versus the other uh, but this is a big deal. This is one of the biggest transfers still in the portal yet to make that final decision. And for him to lay it out that way, uh, I think will be fun to track um, and a lot for him uh, for these next few months. Because this is really just a rental, right? I mean, this is a guy who's close to the NFL draft. He just needs to show that he's healthy and have a bounce back senior season in 2022. So you're talking about a rental from from June to December, you know, not even really a full year on a college campus. So uh, he's certainly going to put in the work and the due diligence to figure out where he wants to play. There's no doubt. 
Florida, Texas Tech, Oregon, Louisville. I liked your little slight flex there that that you've been that you've been to three of them, John. I, 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 I like. And you can guess the one I haven't been to, right? Uh, Oregon. No, Texas Tech. <laughs> oh, Texas really? Tech. I've been on Texas Tech campus. Hard to get to Lubbock. Yeah, yeah, I was I was there to to call the NJCAA women's basketball tournament in uh, in 2021. So that that was why I was in Lubbock because believe it or not, I haven't had a reason to go there yet. But you know, m- maybe one day. Uh, a last thing that that I want to ask you here. You mentioned he's a Southern California kid, right? And I, I have read or or heard on the grapevine, so to speak, that. USC has been interested in him or they've at least, you know, made a call or expressed that they would want him or, you know, knowing that USC needs to rebuild in the trenches and that UCLA is always looking for defensive help. And even if this is a one year guy, he's going to be a high impact transfer, whichever program he ends up going to. So is there any indication that that one of those California schools could make it onto the list? I mean, how how are you know, they getting left out uh, of a guy who's from that area who's so supremely talented. Yeah, I'm just as surprised as you, Spencer. And I think schematically, you know, he, he's not the biggest guy in the world, 6'2", 6'3", maybe 280. So, you know, I, I'm not sure uh, what the new defenses will look like at these two schools relative to what they want on the defensive interior. But, man, you, you have to think that when you're making the transition, you want to hit the trenches. And, and like I said, he's a SoCal kid. So, I'm surprised, but look, he's got four visits planned. So he does have room for a fifth visit. So, uh, you know, maybe that's the next phone call that's going to happen. And it'll be something we talk about uh, the next time I'm lucky enough to be on with you, my friend. Well, we will be sure to bring you back. John Garcia, Jr. He's the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. We appreciate your insight as always, my man. And we'll uh, we will see you next time for sure. There will always be a next time with you. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.